What's going on, everybody? Hope you're having a great week so far. Doug here, one of the host, producers, and creators of the John Ruffy Life Podcast, bringing you a bonus review episode this week. Uh, there won't be a full episode of the John Ruffy Life Podcast this week. I'll be going to an event on Thursday, but have no fear. The crew and I will be back next Friday giving you a full episode of the show. Uh, in the meantime, I wanted to put out this bonus episode. Uh, this week, I'll be reviewing uh, Wes Anderson's next movie, Asteroid City, as well as Netflix's new season, uh, season number six of Black Mirror. Two projects that I'm very eager to review on this show. Uh, in the meantime, guys, as always, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform of choice. While you're there, hit that follow, subscribe button. Leave a review and rating. It helps us out. helps the show out tremendously. Uh, as always, guys, thank you so much for your support. You know, it's going to be a, a huge summer of movies, uh, new shows coming out too. So uh, having that follow-on for you guys on, on your favorite podcast platform will... I'll let you know we have a new episode out every week. I'll be putting out more bonus episodes as well. Again, we have Indiana Jones coming up. We have Barbie, Oppenheimer, No Hard Feelings. Uh, I mean, so much coming out this summer. It's going to be a good summer of movies. Mission Impossible is coming out too. So a very fun summer packed full of movies and new shows to review for you all. Um, but yeah, guys, let's get into it. So I've been lucky enough to go to a screening of Wes Anderson's next film, which is Asteroid City, which is I think I think hit theaters New York and LA last weekend, but we'll hit theaters nationwide this Friday. You know, uh, Wes Anderson and I have had a weird history. You know, I love some of his movies and some I just don't care for at all. His style is very interesting. I think all like directors have a style like Tarantino and Christopher Nolan. I think Jordan Peele now and I think Greta Gorwick now has a style as well. But, you know, Anderson really has a, has a very unique um kind of style to him it's all you know steady cam it's all that, that you know shots are going left and right up and down or zooming in it's very interesting but you know as a kid i remember watching as a kid i'm thinking oh man as a, in high school or middle school i remember watching life aquatic with my dad and i'm a big bill murray fan so um it was and uh, you know Owen wilson fan so it was always fun seeing them kind of pop up and things together so i kind of knew who um, Anderson was, was as a filmmaker, uh, you know, growing up, but it wasn't until maybe high school I remember seeing Moonrise Kingdom for the first time, and I was like, it's okay. I remember all my friends were like, the movie's like, this is genius, guys, this is amazing, and I was like, eh, it didn't really do it for me. Love the actors, but I just, it wasn't for me. But I remember loving Mr. Fox as a kid and an adult too. I think that movie is hilarious. I think so that's probably some of the best writing from Wes Anderson and just like animation in general. Um, great script, great storytelling, great voice acting from. George Clooney, Meryl Streep, and uh, Jason Schwartzman, uh, Bill Murray. The you know, list goes on and on. I, I love that movie so much. Um, that's probably why I love... I remember seeing Isle of Dogs at a screening in college that uh, AEC was putting on. And I loved Isle of Dogs. I mean, if you're a dog lover like I am, uh, it's a love letter to dogs and why we love uh, dogs. And kind of stories that they go on if we were to ban them out to an island of their own. And again, great voice acting, great storytelling, great script writing, great dialogue from Anderson. And the animation is, you know, I'm a big stop motion animation uh, appreciator and lover. So uh, love this style of animation, love that style of animation for sure. Again, love the voice acting from Brian Cranston to oh, everyone in that movie, uh, Courtney B. Vance, uh, Edward Norton, to again, Bill Murray, to uh, um, uh, Jeff Goldblum. It's a great, it's a great, great, great um, talent in that in that film. So going into this, I was very excited because I love that he said it in the Phoenix kind of like the Arizona kind of vibe to it. I mean, it's not it's a fake city, asteroid city, but um, I think it's his next movie that came. I think Fresh Dispatch came out a few I mean, a year or two ago, and I was not a fan of that movie to be honest with you. I thought they just I'm again 
hot take. I'm not a big Timothy Chalamet fan personally, so I thought it was kind of distracting seeing him. I think I don't think he can carry a movie, but it just the storyline didn't do it for me at all. I was kind of just kind of checked out. I was like, again, filmed very well, great acting, except for Timothy Chalamet, if you ask me. But it just didn't do it for me as a fan. Um, I think I was like, again, I was, I was on a big high of the movie before that, which was Isle of Dogs, which again I love, top ten of that year, of 2018 for me. But this is doing it for me. So this one I was excited because I love the cast. Tom Minx, Scarlett Johansson, Jason Schwartzman, Steve Carell, Leif Schreiber, Jeffrey Wright. This list goes on and on and on. Fantastic. So I was looking forward to this one. Skeptical, but like I said, it's even though it's like a fake city, it has a kind of Arizona vibe to it. And if you know to our listeners, our show is mostly set in Arizona. We record in Arizona. I'm located in Arizona, so it was Nick. So we kind of yeah, it's very kind of like hits home for us in um, many ways. So with that said. He's been a hit or miss for me as a filmmaker in his movies the past, you know, 20 years. I mean, as my life, uh, to be honest. But this, to me, I think definitely it was on my radar for sure this, this, uh, to see this summer. So, um, starting with the pros. You know, I love how, in all of his movies too, whether I like him or not, he knows how to utilize his cast very well. He knows how to get good performances out of everyone, whether it's Scarlett Johansson, whether it's a Tom Hanks, whether it's a Bill Murray or Edward Norton or, you know, or his frequent collaborators. He does. He knows how to get get a good performance out of all his actors, no matter what. And he knows how to utilize them very well. That like, oh yeah, we didn't see this person until later on. We kind of forgot about him or him or her. No, he he does a good job of literally bringing all his cast in and uses them very well to their talent and to the performances. Um, as I mentioned, you know, I love the Arizona setting. Um, someone who moved to Arizona back, you know, almost seven, eight, almost seven years ago. Uh, I love that. Like, it's kind of like a love letter to. Uh, Arizona, the Grand Canyon in like the 50s, um, the kind of just that style of the kind of like back then it was a kind of like a very kind of just like all canyons and desert and cacti and kind of UFO and aliens, um, conspiracy in the desert. Um, but yeah, I love that, love the location. Um, you know, for me too, I think what is best in this movie too, comes with other movies, is that I love the singular setting in, in films, but especially this one that. I love how it's a very tight script, it's a very singular setting movie, because it's all set in this fiction, you know, this uh, fake city with these certain group of characters that we're not, we're not getting introduced to a lot more characters as we are. I mean, to a point we are, but I'll get to that later. But it's a very good job of keeping all these characters in a very singular spot, which is again, Asteroid City. Um, and, you know, sometimes it works in other films, but I think with his movies, he knows that, you know, with with kind of Grand Budapest Hotel, or again, kind of like I.O. Dogs to a degree, or Life Aquatic, when he has his movie set in one uh, setting, it's very, you can watch, you can see the performances, you can see good performances out of these actors, and, you know, his direction, because he's really bringing something out of it, because the setting plays a place, the setting for sure plays a place in all his movies, whether it's the hotel in, in um, Grand Budapest, or the ship in Life Aquatic, this is the asteroid city. It, it's the settings are characters of his own movie, which I do, which I do appreciate when he, when he films more on the focus of that. Um, and again, this, this for the most part, the script is very tight. It's very again like in single on the focus, but we'll get we'll get more to that uh, during the during the episode. Um, you know, I think what he does good too is he's blend new, he blends new actors very well. I think Maya Hawke is the new new actress because of you know what we've seen her and um, Stranger Things and. Um, playing the last uh, Tarantino movie, Hollywood. Um, but he, he knows how to blend new actors with um, recognizable actors like a Tom Hanks, like a uh, Colin, uh, Colin Farrell, with, with um, a Steve Carell, with Scarlett Johansson, Jason Schwartzman, Leif Schreiber. The list goes on and on. 
Um, and I love that he kind of blends them very well together that like they can hold their own with these legends of these these talents who've been acting for many, many years or then in a lot of the, a lot of his other movies. Um, you know, he again I said a big shout out to My Hawk. Um, I for sure think that Scarlett Johansson and um, Jason Schwartzman, they carried this movie. Their performances are super strong. You know, I'm a big a fan of both of them ever since I was a kid. But in this movie especially, both Schwartzman and Johansson had to carry this movie in a certain way that I don't want to spoil for, for you all. But it's very interesting to see them go back and forth and seeing from their different perspectives. But when they come together at certain points, it's very fascinating. And like I said, I love Jason Schwartzman as an actor. I think he's very underrated. I love him. I love him stuff like Funny People. Um, his voice acting in uh, Last Spider uh, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse was awesome. He, again, I know he's buddies with um, yeah, love him Scout Pilgrim too as the villain. Um, he's a very fun actor to watch because he brings something kind of quirky, unique with every performance. But yeah, as he, you know, he's lifelong friends with Wes Anderson too. But in this movie, he kind of for sure kind of brings something kind of different, which I like about it because again, like he carries movie on his own as the character and what he's going through with his crisis with his family and um it was his father-in-law played by tom hanks i don't know it, it works for me i get i love him as an actor so it was really fun to see him kind of just like bring something again unique and quirky to this role as well um i appreciate the fact that you know he works with all actors that we've seen in a while like um you know i think it's very easy for actors to kind of like go away and come back later on in the you know in their career or like they say consistent forever but you know in this movie especially seeing you know matt uh matt dillon who again i love his brother from entourage kevin dillon but i remember watching matt dillon and stuff like um herbie fully loaded and crash and takers but like oh something about mary so you know i've been around i, I watched this guy a lot as my childhood and my teenage years my adult life so it's i give him a lot i give uh, anderson a lot of props for bringing uh, Matt Dillon back, uh, and also kind of focusing on his character at certain times, but it's fun to see people you haven't seen in a while, like, oh yeah, him, where's he been? And again, I think it's to his credit, both to Matt Dillon as Anderson's, Wes Anderson's credit, is that they, they're they able to blend together their kind of style, but they're able to bring back performances that you haven't seen in a while from certain actors, and I love that about it. Um, again, I haven't seen Matt Dillon in a theatrical movie, well, a mainstream theatrical movie in a long time, or... Um, Rupert Friend or Leif Schreiber again. I think I think Leif Schreiber more stuff recently, but uh, Rupert as well. I've seen them in a lot. I've seen him in a lot of stuff recently, but it is again refreshing to see these actors who I once you know, watched a lot of seeing them come back into like a big but not big budget, but like mainstream theatrical movie. Uh, there's some very underrated actors who you know who have multiple performances so like that. You know, West kind of casted them and their talents because again he's able to get really solid performances out of all of them, and they're so much fun to watch. And because they're all bringing something different to the to the movie, it's not the same kind of cookie cutter performance. It's they're all doing something differently. They'll bring some their kind of uniqueness and quirkiness and charm to their performances. Which again, I think it's props to the actors, but also props to Wes Anderson for kind of bringing them out uh, out of these actors. Um, you know. I tell you what, too, I think, you know, see this a lot in interviews and you hear this a lot in director's commentaries on DVDs and iTunes extras that a lot of filmmakers have, have stated that they have trouble working with, you know, child actors or, you know, kid actors because a lot of them are, again, they're just, it's, this is work for them and a lot of them are kind of still thinking developing. They're still kind of like not, this, to be on a big set with all these different people, a lot of things, a lot of sets, a lot of things are moving. But I think even for me that I didn't care for much, which was, again, which is Moonrise Kingdom, uh, Wes Anderson as a director knows how to direct with child actors and there's a lot of child actors in this movie and i really do think that he's able to like use them and utilize them very very well that i feel like other filmmakers can't get really get a hold of or don't know how to direct child actors but 
again, I never had a, I think I never had a problem with with with, with uh, was Anderson kind of directing uh, child actors, kid actors, because he really knows how to get good performances out of them and utilize them into the script and the storyline where it's like, oh man, these kids are so annoying. They're so like, come on, get get over it. But no, I, I I think he really knows how to get performances out of everyone, including child actors, and it's very important. Very interesting to see that. And I said I've I've heard so many podcasts and commentaries of of uh, directors like, oh man, working with kids was the worst. Working with animals is the worst. Working with this with you know, children is the worst because they're not focused. Whatever. No, I I think that Anderson for sure has a grip of directing child actors and knowing how to, you know, you know, teach them, you know. Um, certain cues certain skills you know uh hitting their mark hitting their you know i remember the dialogue i remember these certain scenes so i give him a lot of props in the role for doing that um it's very obvious in a lot of his again movies that like I said, a lot of filmmakers don't know how to do that um i want to give a shout out to uh newcomer jake ryan who plays woodrow the son of uh uh jason sportsman's character who is like kind of like the main kid of this summer kind of this like science kind of like government science program camp uh, with all these all kind of like um, like not show and tell, but like science, like very high end science fair. And not only does he look like Jason Schwartzman, but like he mimics Jason Schwartzman a lot of like different of of like previous movies that he's been in. And it's very fun to watch that. Wow, he's he's not really he's not really kind of like impersonating him, but he's very he has the thing he has the thing down of what Schwartzman is good at, like kind of being right, like kind of quirky kind of guy, like nerdy kind of guy. But the yeah, this actor um, is that. Jake, yeah, Jake Ryan, he has it down, and it was fun for him to watch because it's kind of like seeing like a Star Wars born moment with like, oh yeah, like he's becoming, he's he's just kind of shy, kind of closed off guy, doing a lot with his family as well, and he's trying to you know get this scholarship through this science program in Asteroid City, and man, it's it's really fun to watch because like I said, I think Anderson knows a good performance out of him, but the way he interacts with other kids in the science program or with his dad played by Jason Schwartzman. It's really fun to watch, and it's really kind of like it's heartwarming at times. Of like, oh yeah, I guess see them as father and son for sure, and it, it it's very believable that his relationship with his dad, and he wants to become this again prodigy in, in science. So again, I love love that he that that this at him as an actor, but interesting knows how to capture the geeky adolescence of science in the fifties, and I, that was a big high for me. Um, and you know what? Uh, multiple times on other shows, other other podcast episodes, was that. I had to give Wes Anderson all the props in the world for really kind of capturing and only creating original IP. You know, he continues to make IP, you know, original stories, new stories, and you know, some of them might blend together for me personally, but except for Mr. Fox and maybe a few other things, I really give him credit for really creating new original movies every time he makes something. And it's, you know, again, we live in a world of just constant superhero or franchises and IPs and reboots remix whatever but uh, no i watching this movie that it was really refreshing to see original movie yes and, and his style it's it said it's i've seen so much stuff it's already mid-june and i'm seeing so much of big franchises and other spin-offs and sequels whatever it just it is fun to see something new and fresh from a, from a filmmaker who knows how to make original content and you know it's i you said it I won't love all his movies. I know that, but it just again it was refreshing to see this when we live in the era of constant reboots and remakes and sequels stuff like that. Um, but again, in this summer we have uh, you know again too he's making an original movie in the summer too, and I feel like 
we don't have we don't have that a lot as much anymore. I think maybe past couple of years it's always been, it's been summer of like remakes and sequels and reboots and you know this this spinoff. But it, I love seeing original IP, original summer some movies in the summer because it reminds you of like why we go to the movies in the summer, why we go to like these big movies, why we go to the movies in the summer to escape the heat or bring bring your friends, bring your family, and I give them all the props and roll for kind of bringing that back and kind of bringing the movie out. Uh, during this time, during the summer, because it, you know, summer full of blockbusters and sequels and you know, uh, re- reboots, remakes. It's really fun to see an original movie uh, from a, a tour from a very uh, talented filmmaker. Um, you know his his writing in this for sure. You know, his writing in this kind of reminded me almost of like the Coen Brothers in a way. And it's very kind of hard, again, it's kind of hard to compare both, but the Co- Coen Brothers have this first kind of like. That dry humor, I for sure Anderson knows how to do this dry humor kind of thing, but you know, it really does. This his writing for sure had more of like a kind of like a old brother where out thou kind of vibe, or uh, Buster Scruggs, or kind of a Hail Caesar kind of vibe, where or even even Raising Arizona for sure. I think Raising Arizona and uh, Old Brother Where Art Thou are two very similar writing tones. Not so much the dialogue, not so much like story wise, but like in dialogue wise, that I feel like Anderson for sure kind of like. Um, Brings it to his own in this movie. For again, I, I saw a lot of instances of Raising Arizona or Old Brother Where Art Thou, a little bit of Fargo in a way, but it for sure reminded me of those kind of work. They're like, oh yeah, this is like again these guys are who are pros at writing dialogue and writing these characters. Um, even had some moments of Tarantino vibe to it. Not, not so much of like violence and like you know profanity, but some of the humor, some of like kind of the situations that they're kind of going through, reminded me of Tarantino a bit. Not to a full extent, but. For sure, um, Coen Brothers. Um, there's a kind of rhythm to it. I know these these filmmakers have a, their own rhythm to it. Like I said, with, with like a uh, Coen, like Tarantino, uh, uh, Scorsese, Spielberg, Nolan. They have their own rhythm to their own you know filmmaking and storytelling and dialogue. But um, I love that. I haven't seen a Wes Anderson kind of like it's not only a full sci-fi genre movie, but this one for sure had I think the most sci-fi out of all his movies, if not the first. So. I love that kind of dabbling into sci-fi in a way with this movie in the, in the genre. Um, you know, for an hour and 45-minute movie, it has a solid pace. Again, you heard me in the show before. I'm very big on pace and how the movie flow. Is it a good pace to it? Is it kind of feel dragging in parts? No, I think for an hour 45, this movie, hour 45, I think it drags to in certain points, but not a point where I'm like, oh, I roll. Let's get on with it. Come on now. No, I, didn't, I never felt that whatsoever. And... I think he's very good at telling the story in an hour 45 runtime and not feeling like, oh man, I want more or that wasn't enough. It's a very good compact runtime of like, here's my story, here's what happens, here's the characters, boom. Um, so yeah, I again, when I'm big on pace, this movie for sure has a good pace that I'm like, well, I would watch this again and I feel like, oh, let's get on with it, guys. Okay, okay, this part again. No, I pace never bothered me whatsoever. Um, no, without giving much away, there's uh, Brian Cranston plays this character. Um, and it's very interesting. His performance is very interesting. So I don't want to give much, too much away of what, who he plays. But he plays like a narrator type of character. And whenever he was on, there were certain points that had me cracking out loud. Like I was like laughing out loud hysterically. And I'm like, that's hilarious. And again, I'm a big Brian Cranston fan. I grew up in this guy watching, you know, Malcolm in the Middle. And obviously, you know, Breaking Bad is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. But. He's very good at humor, and I wish that we saw more um, comedic stuff from him. I mean, I wouldn't say it was the best example, but in Why Him, not the best example, I know. There's some funny moments to, uh, to that movie with him, 
But man, I really do miss seeing him in like comedies because he's a he's a fantastic actor, and when he has some like, funny jokes or funny kind of like moments or uh, uh, quirks, whatever, they had me cracking out loud in this movie. I really, really was very impressed uh, with his performance. But yeah, I don't want to give much to away. But like, again, he plays like the narrator of um, of the movie, but he's he's a different kind of narrator where it's like again, I don't want to spoil too much. Being you, you'll see, you'll know, but. It's a very unique way of what West did of his character of taking on the narrator um, uh, character, but again, it's very it's different. But like I said, he really I wish I wish again I know, I know he worked with him in Isle of Dogs voice acting, but I really do hope that West kind of brings him in more movies going forward because he's a fantastic actor and you know I think uh, what's his style in this movie especially and of Isle of Dogs just match Brian Cranston to a T and match very well so. I was very impressed with both of them, and I'm hoping to see a more of a collaboration between the two of them because um, it's it, 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 it was really funny seeing him on screen and seeing some of his uh, moments. Uh, at the same time, too, you know, uh, I like that it's very meta at times, you know, without giving too much away. That it, it's it's meta, and there's a lot of inside jokes that once you kind of like if you're following along well, and you're kind of like in the beginning of the movie too. There's a lot of inside jokes that kind of pay off for sure throughout the movie or at the end. Um, but again, I love kind of meta humor and this movie for sure had meta humor that worked for me. That can have me laughing out loud. Um, but now the moment I'm dreading is the cons. Um, like I said, without, without spoiling it, I'm trying to do my best walk around spoilers. Um, within this movie, there's a story within the story that kind of gets distracting at times where there was something happening and they go cut. And then this other thing was happening and it gets a little convoluted at times and it becomes a little messy where it kind of takes away from the other main storyline that was more interesting. Um, you know, he, Wes, as a filmmaker, you know, as he was writing for sure, I mean, it, it, he, keeps, he keeps building the story within a story and for me personally, I just didn't feel like, I didn't feel as interested or invested where I was kind of like, no, 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 go back to the other story. I was more interested in that. I want to go back to that. Like, let's skip this, go back to that. And I don't like feeling that way in movies or films or even shows too, where I'm like, Oh, I was so invested in this. Now you, now you took me out. You're, you're now you're talking about this. And I'm like, no, no, go back, go back to that. So, um, there are a lot of great, a lot of, a lot of great appearances from big actors that I felt were kind of wasted or thrown away. Uh, and it's like, wait, this is, this is a big actor or a big actress. Like, why did you bring them in? Like they don't really do anything. And, and after a while you're like, looking back like, yeah, why did we never, we never saw that person again. Or we never like saw them again or, why would they brought in for that scene or scene? So they could have cast at any point, but there are a few performances. I, get, I won't say who that I'm like, oh yeah, why were they even in that? They were in for like a second and that was it. I mean, maybe it's because like, oh, look, we have so-and-so in this movie. Come see it. Yeah, I just felt like there were, there were very throwaway performances and throwaway kind of characters that I wish, I wish they utilized in a, in a dip more or in a different way. Um, kind of, he did the same thing in kind of French Dispatch where you know, I, didn't see, I saw that on, on HBO when it came out. Um, I felt lost and I don't like feeling lost or, or if I'm watching like, a, or if I'm like kind of watching a lecture or like, a being in a class environment and the story within a story that I'm talking about made me feel that like, I felt kind of lost. I felt kind of like, am I, am I taking notes? Am I supposed to be taking like notes on this scene or kind of like, it's going to be important later. And me personally, I felt like some of those scenes didn't even have a payoff or didn't feel like needed or earned later on in the movie. So I think that was definitely the big con for me. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't go full for dispatch for me personally, but there are moments where it reminded me of that. I kind of got, kind of got checked out where I'm like, 
okay, I'm kind of checked out now. What's going to happen next? But I think he's going to be able to bring me back into the certain parts I wanted to see more of or the certain storylines I want to see more of because, like I said, I was more interested in that, more involved in that storyline of these dirt center characters. So, um, yeah, that that to me is kind of like the big con. Um, you know, even some of his returning actors that like he's worked with for all his movies and all his career – they don't have much to do, or they don't feel as valid as they should, or necessarily fit the overall story. Like I said before, these these some of these characters, some of these actors could have been replaced with like either new actors or something that like okay, that's cool, they're there. But he is a big emphasis on on certain actors, and I'm like, yeah, or characters. I'm like, yeah, this didn't. This could have been anybody. This could have been you know the mailman. This could have been this person. This could have been a new actor or new actress, but. It just doesn't really fit the overall storyline, and I was like, I wish they, I wish they used them more, use them more because I want to see more of their interaction with this actor or this actor or this actress. So that to me, I think it was a big pro of like, you know, he didn't utilize these characters, didn't utilize some of these actors to their character to their full extent of like, wow, they, these are these are well recognizable actors, you know, award winning actors. He kind of just like put them to the side, and it was like, oh, they're there, that's it. So. Along with the story within the story, that was also kind of a big con for me. Um, like I said, I wanted, to see, I wanted to see more of them. Maybe, maybe he'll bring them back for other projects down the road, and I'll definitely be there day one. But at the same time, um, yeah, it just didn't work for me. Um, and, you know, again, I, you know, I praise Brian Cranston. You know, I'll praise Lee Schreiber. Lee Schreiber, to me, had some of the funniest scenes that cracked me up. I feel like in some scenes that I was laughing the most more than anyone in the theater where they were like, what's he laughing at? Because I really did laugh at some things that no one else laughed or no one else caught. And again, Lee Schreiber has these few scenes with the with his son that just had me in tears, had me in stitches, that made me laugh out loud more than I laughed in a while. So again, I, get, I praise Brian Cranston a lot, but now Lee Schreiber to me for sure set out a lot in the humor and some of like the situations because it cracked me up. Um but at the same time, all the jokes land, and as always, you know, Wes's dry humor has always worked for me. Um, and you know, I've said this multiple times in many other podcasts and in other discussions that I think sometimes humor works even better in animation, like Isle of Dogs and Mr. Fox, uh, because his style, style of humor, for sure, um, it, I think his humor and his anima- style of animation kind of support each other and go hand in hand a lot. We're like, oh, this works so much better, like. If Mr. Fox was a live action movie or, or like a human story, I would have been like, this is not, this is weird. Or Isle of Dogs, too, because it's animals, because it's animation. It kind of enhances the story, enhances the, and it, it kind of enhances the humor a lot, too, where I'm like, oh, this works so much better. Where again, like I said, a Moonrise Kingdom didn't really work for me. Um, other projects, too, where I'm like, yeah, this, this was a miss. But I do, I do think that his animation is his strongest. Again, me personally, as a fan of him and as a fan of filmmaking, that's where I think his humor animation really kind of like blend the best, but I do think this and his his um his humor in this movie for sure worked a lot more than uh, French Dispatch, Moonrise Kingdom, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, and other movies where I'm like, okay, this 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 jokes made me laugh out loud and hard. But yeah, I said, he, again, I'm not the biggest fan of him, but I do love some of his work. Like I said Mr. Fox, um, Bottle Rocket, A Life Aquatic, uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, Isle Dogs, Mr. Fox. So, this for sure would be way high on the list of movies uh, of his career and his filmography. As me, as a um, you know, critic, as a as a you know fan of his, as a sort of fan of his work, um, but I'm giving it right now. I would give it a seven and a half or eight out of ten. I think it's worth seeing in theaters. If you live in Arizona, especially in Phoenix, 
it's for sure a home letter, a love letter kind of homage to Phoenix and Arizona, the state of Arizona and the kind of Grand Canyon. Um, yeah, it, that that was kind of one of the biggest pros for me. So, so as well as some of the humor. So if you're looking for a fun movie, you kind of escape the again escape the franchises, the big blockbusters. Listen, I love those movies too. I do, but it, this for sure is kind of like a breath of fresh air of a summer filled of you know back to back blockbusters and you know franchises. So definitely worth seeing in theaters. Um, I would pay full price, hundred percent. Because I definitely would give it. Again, teetering between seven and a half and an eight, but I really enjoyed it a lot. Again, I said I would first put up there, put it up there with Isle of Dogs, uh, Life Aquatic, and Mr. Fox. So yeah, guys, that's my review for Wes Anderson's Asteroid City, which is theaters nationwide this Friday. All right, now getting into the TV review portion of this show. Um, you know, I was not the biggest fan of Black Mirror at first. I think in college I was, I was introduced to it during a um, film class and I was like it was the first episode where I don't, I don't want to spoil much but like a prime minister and an animal have to do something and I was like what the hell is this show I, I wasn't a Twilight Zone fan kid uh, fan growing up either or as a teenager and I was like this is this isn't enough for me but I think I watched more of it I want to say maybe before COVID or maybe during COVID and someone said hey you ever see the Star Trek version of Black Mirror episode I was like Star Trek Black Mirror I said what he said, yeah, if you're not a Black Mirror fan, try this episode. And I was like, oh, okay, wow. I remember watching it, and I was like, oh, wow, I am hooked. They have more of these? Because I was so amazed. I was so impressed by the storytelling, the acting, the just kind of like um, the unsettling nature of it all, the situation that was going on in that episode. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I felt disturbed in ways where I was like, Oh my God! But also, as a fan of Star Trek, you know, my dad's, my dad's a big Star Trek fan, so I grew up on watching some of the uh, Next Generation and loving the J.J. Abrams movies, um, the first two especially. I like the third one's fine too, but um, but yeah, growing up, you know, that I was like, well, this is a very well-made, quote-unquote, not Star Trek, but it's kind of Star Trek kind of vibe, and Jesse Plemons, who I love as an actor, ever since like Mike when I was a kid. Uh, it showed this it did, the episode just really stuck with me where I was like I wanted to watch some more and yeah I think it was during COVID or maybe right before but I was hooked I was like I want to watch more of it so I remember like watching a lot of more a lot of more uh, episodes and I was like wow this is really great and then, I think that was all season 4 too where I was like wow this is, this is a good season so I kind of went back to all to all the seasons whatever early on before Netflix acquired it and other and other I think Netflix acquired it, uh, you know, way after it came out. But looked. However, I don't think the last season, season five, was all that great. It was three. It was three long episodes, and to me, I was like, yeah, this didn't work for me. I I think the again, I won't spoil anything. If you've seen the show before, I've seen the episodes. Episode with Anthony Mackie and Gaga Abdul Mateen the second, who again, I love both those guys as actors. Two of my favorite actors working today. That one kind of stuck with me in a way where I was like, "Oh, this is not what I expected." I think, I think, I think my friend, I think like my friend, spoiled it for me. I was like, "Oh, okay." But I was like, "Whoa, I kind of forgot about this." Oh, and then Smithereens and the one with Miley Cyrus. It just didn't feel like proper Black Mirror episodes. The first one did. Striking Vibers with again Yaya and Anthony. That for sure had a, definitely a, a Black Mirror vibe to it. But Smithereens thought it was good performances from um, Topher Grace, uh, Damson Indris, and Andrew Scott. But I just didn't, I just kind of just felt just that connection towards it. So season six, I was coming out like, cool, I'm excited for it. I'm going to binge it all on the weekend. Let's get on with it. Um, I will say that season six, this season, season six, 
has some very high highs and some very low lows. Where I think to me the best episode is Jonah's Awful. We can, I don't want to spoil anything for it if you haven't seen it yet. But Jonah's Awful was a very unique and clever way of like dealing with. I want to say the meta, the metaverse and you know streaming services and terms and conditions. And I think it was a very the way they handled it, and the way the, the message kind they put out with that. I'm like yikes! I'm like I better read the terms and agreements more often now. You know, it was a thousand pages. I was like I better read these more. Even have a lawyer look into these. This is a, this is a lot. Um, that for sure was kind of the high of the season for me. The probably the best episode. And then Locke Henry, very good episode, good performances. I love that, you know, we're, I'm seeing new talent, seeing new actors, kind of seeing people I haven't recognized before. I lo- and I love that. It's just fun seeing new actors kind of just like, um, you know, in, the, in this kind of this anthology series. I'm like, oh, I'm, I saw a person in this movie before. Now he's doing this. It's awesome. Or they're doing this. It's great. Um, kind of like with um, uh, season four. What's the girl's name? She was in Barbarian. And I love Barbarian. Um, what was her name? I have my notes. Uh uh, Georgina Campbell, who who was episode called "Hang the DJ," which is my which is my favorite um, Black Mirror episode. And so wait, I just saw her in Black. I just saw her in Barbarian. She was great. It was it was cool seeing kind of like people who I have seen before, people who I haven't recognized yet. It's just fun seeing that, seeing kind of like oh yeah, how they're doing as actors, or whatever. Uh, Beyond the Sea was for sure. I think the one that was marketed the most I, I saw on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok, every social media, where I was like, wow, everyone's talking about this one called Beyond the Sea. And that for sure played more like a movie. It's an hour and a half, definitely the longest episode of the se- of the season. And I kind of I, 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 again went in nothing, no, no, no nothing, but the hints were kind of like a, a more present to me. Where I was like, oh yeah, 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 okay, I can see this guy. And then I'm like, and I called the ending. I was like, this is gonna happen. And I said, ugh. And even though I kind of I kind of predicted it, it still stuck with me in a very unsettling way. Kind of like the. Star Trek episode or the Striking Vipers or the other ones where I'm like, ooh, like it stuck with me where I was like, oh man, did it like that? Ugh, like, geez. Even though I knew it, I was like, oh, it still stuck with me. So I'll th- think about it today. I saw it yesterday. I was like, oh man, like, ugh. But, uh, but I do think the last two, Maisie Day and Demon 79, good premises, but they don't feel executed enough. They don't feel like, oh, okay, I wasn't as intrigued with those two as I was with Beyond the Sea, Locke, Henry, Jonah's Awful. And those for sure kind of more of like a season five kind of vibe, where I was like these were they don't these feel like good ideas, but they weren't flushed out enough. And yeah, I think the, all the all the performances were great, but these didn't feel like these didn't feel like fully cooked ideas. If like okay, this this is a part of a part of an idea, and then yeah, it wasn't like fully executed. Oh, they could have done more. They could have expanded more with it. Well, again, these are shows episodes that are hour twenty, hour thirty minutes, and I feel like. Some of the, the ideas could have expanded a bit more. Where I was like, oh, I was more intrigued by that. I was more intrigued by this character's decision or this character's decision. But the last thing, uh, Amazing Day and Demon Seventy Nine, to me, just kind of felt like, yeah, it just they didn't they didn't hold up as much as the first three did. Which again was um, Jonah's Awful, Locke Henry, and Beyond the Sea, where I wanted more of it. But overall, for sure, an improvement of season over season five. Best season though, best batch of ep- episodes. Uh, I would put Jonah's Awful for sure up in the uh, favorite episodes of mine that I've seen of this entire series. Again, me personally. Uh, Lock Henry and Brown the Sea. Yeah, the good episodes for sure. Enjoy them a lot. But I wouldn't put them like, oh, this is my top five episodes for sure. But I would put Jonah's Awful in my top five. I really enjoyed that episode. I think the performances from uh, Selma Hayek and uh, Annie Murphy were fantastic. They really carried that episode to a T. So, um, 
love, yeah, love that episode. It really made you put put in the perspective of like streaming services in terms of agreements. Uh, yeah, I, again, if you're not a fan, if you're not into the show yet, I recommend it. I neither was I at one point. I was like, yeah, uh, whatever. And then I got more into it, and I'm, now I'm hooked. Uh, I even went back and watched the Paramount Plus reboot of Twilight Zone, which is not as good as Black Mirror, if you're asking me. It's kind of like trying to do the same thing at the same time. Um, yeah, I love Jordan Peele. I love those, some of those actors and creators on that show, too. But I think Black Mirror kind of just, like, not, not reinvented it, but kind of, like, reinvented the what is Twilight Zone in a way. It made it more modern, made it more kind of just, like, a different take on it to a degree. So I recommend the show, season six. Definitely worth watching if you haven't seen it yet, if you're a fan of the show, too. Um, yeah, I was again very impressed by the filmmaking and the acting um, and cinematography a lot of, of this season. So, yeah, guys, that will be my two reviews. Uh, these two great products that I can ha- both recommend. Um, is in the summer is gonna be a fun summer. You know, we're going to um, a lot more screenings this summer. You know, Joel's gonna be covering a lot more movies back in Chicago. You have Nick and I here in Phoenix. We a lot more reviews, uh, a lot more coverage for uh, theater reactions. Uh, hopefully, most can do some more coverage and when he, while he's in LA. Either out of theater actions or more reviews on the on the show. Uh, yeah, I hope you've been enjoying the show as much as we've been doing it. Recording, you know, it's been a, every week. Of, we have a fun time doing it. We're trying to bring in more, more guests. So, if you know someone or you want to be a guest on the show, you can email us at midwayavenueproductions at gmail.com or DM us both on TikTok or Instagram um, at midwayavenueproductions or you can DM my personal Instagram, which is at the Young Jones. Um, yeah, guys. Uh, again, summer of movies. Support your local cinema. Support your local theater. Uh, it's very important that we see theatrical movies. You know, an era, an era, we're still living in that streaming world. You know, everything's streaming. Everything's waiting until we come to Disney Plus or Peacock or Paramount Plus or Max now or Netflix. Support local, support your local cinema, whether it's a big theater or a small theater. It's support your movie theaters because I think we're now in a way we're kind of post-pandemic where we have an influx of huge movies. I mean, look, we've seen so far. We've seen Fast, Fast 10. We've seen Little Mermaid. We saw Spider-Verse and The Flash. You know, we have a lot of movies coming out like Joyride and Asteroid City and uh, No Hard Feelings. So it's fun to see a lot of movies coming back. Th- things that we probably would have seen on streaming during the COVID years or you know, COVID years or COVID era or even last year. Now we're getting full theatrical releases. Um, again, Indiana Jones is coming out next week. No Hard Feelings is coming out this week. So we have a lot to look forward to. Mission Impossible is coming out. I can't wait for that. Barbie is the big talk of the summer. So go out. See a movie. Yes. Popcorn's expensive, I know, or, you know, become an A-list, uh, AMC A-list member or uh, Regal Limited or whatever your local theater has a little program going on, support it. It's, you know, the theaters are a fun place to see a big movie and be with a great audience and, you know, be with the crowd because I feel like you can't get that at home. I think seeing a movie in a big crowd and a big theater, big audience really kind of brings it home for me personally. I think it brings home a lot of people like that. It was, it was fun seeing that in an audience, fun seeing that with a big crowd, laughing, cheering, crying, clapping, whatever. It's just fun. So, um yeah guys that'll be my bonus episode review and we will see you next week with a full episode of the genre of life podcast guys until then take care